Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of I Could Never Be Here on the Popcorn Talk Network, episode 51. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue like last week's episode 50, but it's one step further. And that's what we're all about here on I Could Never Be on the Popcorn Talk is getting you one step further to achieving your goals. And, you know, hearing about the people that you see on TV, the people that you maybe see in concert and you think to yourself, how did they get there? We give you the answer and that is exactly what we're doing today. And today's guest, it fits perfectly with March Madness, last night's Selection Sunday. I know she's really happy her team got in. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that, talking about her rise in an industry that is just for far too long been dominated by men, being able to hear how she did it, hear how she thrived. But first, you know, we always start with some advice for a better life. And the advice today is one word can make all the difference. And I've been thinking about this the last week of what one word can do and especially when I think of like when you when you look at doing something and you always ask yourself can I do this you know can I do this is this possible can I do this but instead of doing that insert the word how so instead of can I do this say how can I do this whereas can I do this is simply yes or no how can I do this immediately starts you down the path of I can do it. How do I do it? So it starts you down that path of achieving the outcome. So just one word can make all the difference. We hope you leave the show with a new mindset, and we certainly know you're going to do that with today's guest. She is hosted for ESPN, CBS Sports, uh, NBC Sports. She hosted uh, Showtime when it was the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, the, the famous Pacquiao-Mayweather fight. And again, she has just overcome so many obstacles to just conquer the sports world, which again, for far too long, just male-driven, host male-driven people running the show, and she has just thrived. So excited to talk with her. Please. Welcome, Lindsay McCormick. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That was quite the introduction. Well, thank you. Well, congratulations, first off, to your Auburn Tigers. I'm I mean, really excited. Two years in a row we've made it into the tournament. That's big for us. I that That is big. You got a five seed. Yeah. How are you feeling about, uh, how are you feeling about the team? Uh, I'm feeling good about the game against New Mexico State. Yep. I'm not feeling so great if we have to play Kentucky later on down the line the re- or UNC. The Midwest Regional is... Arguably the toughest regional. Yeah. You got you got UNC at the top. Like you said, Kentucky's a four seed in that regional. Yeah. Wow, that's going to be tough. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to throw this out there, but I have to. I'm from Wisconsin, uh, and so I got to throw out the Badgers' uh, 2015 Outback Bowl victory over Auburn. Oh, I just got to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, looking at the tournament, how, how are you thinking things play out? Is there a favorite in your mind? Are, are you on the Duke train or are you on the field train? I'm on the Duke train. Yeah. I just, if I look at all the one seeds, I feel like they are just going to have an easier time. They just are stacked. Has there been any doubt throughout the year on your mind? For Duke? For Duke. Uh, No. I mean, they have the best player in the country. Mm, So it's like the LeBron of of college basketball. (laughs) (laughs) What could take them down? I mean, if they were to make mistakes, if they were to have Mm -hmm. turnovers, then someone could take advantage of that. One of their most recent games came down to the last second. So... No one is invincible in March Madness, and that's what true. what is so appealing about it. Virginia proved that last year. The first uh, yeah. was that last year, right? With them, the first number one seed ever. Yeah, to go down. People are I saying just... it's going to happen again to them, but I don't think so. I think their path is a little bit easier this year. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Have you filled out a bracket yet, or is that uh, are you like a Wednesday night after seeing how everything is shaken off? 
No, I'm like a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday kind of Ooh. girl. I've started filling it out. It's probably a fourth of the way finished. So I've got to have a little bit more research to do before I make my final pick. Do you have one bracket or are you a bracket, like three brackets for, you know, filling out for ESPN or CBS or different groups of friends? No, it's too, it becomes too challenging if you have more than one bracket. I'm a, a, I used to be in multiple fantasy football leagues Mm. and then it took the fun out of it because you would win, but then you would also lose in the same weekend and you would find that you were rooting for and against the same yes. team. It just, it's too much. Yeah, and it's also tough, like, when you have your team, too, is you're like, I need, and, and someone from the other team that you're playing has the person from your favorite team. So yeah. you're like, I want my running back to do good, <laughs> but I don't want him to do that good. Yeah. Can you throw the touchdown instead of running it in? Oh, my goodness. But I also, I, I was just in a discussion with friends about this. I get more satisfaction about printing my bracket out, handwriting it, oh. and then posting it on my fridge. I love it. Than I, I do it. just filling it out electronically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I am full on with you because you really get to you get to be more in-depth yeah. in looking at it. Yeah. Well, and then it, when all your teams are out, you get the satisfaction of uh, crumpling it up and throwing it in the trash. Isn't it amazing how, like, <laughs> there's, like, three games and you're like, well, forget this. I'm yep. going for the upset now. <laughs> totally. Like, my bracket's busted. Everyone, your bracket, I hope, is busted now, too. I feel like if Duke gets eliminated, we're all just going to be throwing our brackets away. That's it. I honestly look at the thing, and I'm like, I don't know how anybody doesn't pick Duke to go at least to the the championship game. Yeah, but there's people that are taking risks out there. And that's how you do it. You know, the top three teams will lose, and you'll look and be like, one person out of the 17 million that filled it out got it right. And you're like, really? Todd from Arkansas? Todd, you really thought this? Todd just looked at the uniforms and picked his teams based on which uniforms he enjoyed most. Todd was looking at colors, looking at mascots. Oh, my goodness. This is this is going to be just a fun time. I know it. I want to be able to, to shout out you on social media cool. if people want to follow you at Lindsay McCormick Sports on Instagram and mm-hmm. on Twitter at Lindsay M underscore sports. Certainly, again, we're grateful to be here on the Popcorn Talk Network at the Popcorn Talk on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can follow me after the show at the only MC on Instagram and on Twitter. And we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, 3Fit Theory, the world's best T-shirts. And, guys, I can attest to this. I'm wearing one right now. It is this T-shirt that you're seeing. They're insanely comfortable. They are changing the game for T-shirts. They actually send you three different T-shirts all with different fits for your size. You can try them on in the comfort of your own home. Don't have to go to the store and listen to DJs and fight for parking. They make it super easy. And again, the shirts do not shrink, which I'm 6'5", and I cannot tell you how amazing it is that I do not have to air dry all my t-shirts. I throw them in the dryer. I beat the crap out of them. You know, that's what they're t-shirts. You don't want to baby them. So go find your fit, 3fittheory.com. What is your favorite sport to cover? Ooh. Is that like asking you to choose children? It is a little bit, but there are certain times where I enjoy a certain sport more than others. So, like NBA, I love during the finals time. I think Mm -hmm. everybody does in the playoffs and the finals. Um, March Madness is a great time for college basketball, but the NFL I enjoy throughout the entire season. I think mm. because each game matters so much. Yeah. As opposed to some of the other sports where MLB, you can take a night off. Yeah. Well, MLB, if you miss a game, <laughs> I think the players miss yeah. a game. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many games. I read. I didn't know. I read something today about the Philadelphia Phillies, like how Fortnite tore them apart last season. They were playing Fortnite during the games. Yeah. I was like, how does that even happen? <laughs> like, if that was an NFL game, that's like, that's one out of 16. Yeah. But yeah, Major League, there, I guess they're like, oh, well. 
Yeah, in the NFL, I think you get fined if you're on your phone during a game. Yes. So, uh, how about a, a memorable big? I know you covered the uh, Pacquiao Mayweather fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that like intensity wise the biggest thing, or like what is the? Di- I don't know if anything will ever compare to that because every single outlet from sports to Mm. entertainment, Mm -hmm. that was uh, the epitome of anticipation and just the the buildup to the actual fight. The fight let a lot of people down, but the buildup from the weigh-ins, the grand arrivals with the marching band, I've never seen anything like it. And I love the fact that in boxing, you just have two individuals. So you Mm -hmm. really get to know those people. Whereas Mm -hmm. with team sports, sometimes you don't get to know all the players. It comes down to a lot less because it's not like, Oh, what if this player does something? This player does something. You're like, here's two guys. Here's his strength. Here's his strength. And they're literally just going at it. (laughs) Um, Did you play sports? Uh, I mean, I played tennis growing up. I play play golf a little bit now, but I was more so into competitive dance. All right. (laughs) So some people consider that a sport. Others don't. And you are on the team of considering it a sport, I imagine? Um, You're doubting your own sports. I think it's a combination of an art and a sport. Okay. I think the, the competition aspect of mm-hmm. it is a sport because you're mm-hmm. competing against other teams and especially in ballroom dancing yep. but dance in general I think is more of an art form yeah I agree with that because I, I think I, I always like literally went to the dictionary and it was like what's the definition of a sport you have to be competing and you're like yeah. if it's competitive dance and they're competing against each other that's a sport yeah that's yeah. what that is but yeah like you're saying there, there's art which is not bad don't yeah. take that as a negative <laughs> art is a great thing what uh what then made you want to, I guess, get into covering sport? I mean, it was just such an interest, even if you couldn't play it? So I grew up in a really big sports family. Uh, my grandpa was a star defensive end for University of Illinois, mm. was drafted by the Redskins in the 40s, and my brother did marketing for Talladega. So everyone in our family kind of had some sports background, with the exception of my dad, who was a business background. And I just grew up around it. I loved it. And I knew I wanted to be a broadcaster at the age of seven. But I didn't put the two together until I got to college and was part of the campus news station. The sports director was leaving for the weekend. He said, Lindsay, you know this stuff. You talk about it all the time. Why have you never thought to cover sports? Why? Oh, did... even up until that point, you had never covered. Yeah, I had I had just done anchoring. So like okay. I was the, the head anchor for our campus news. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my my goal was to be a broadcaster. But Mm -hmm. I didn't care what I covered. I loved news. I loved entertainment. I loved it all. And then I was able to put two and two together after that experience on the sidelines. And I thought, why am I not covering this? This is, (laughs) I know about this. This is fun. This is what I talk about on my off days. Mm -hmm. And so that, it was that moment where I kind of fell into it. Well, especially in sports, too, like, when, the difference between, like, you know, people like anchor of in the booth or inside, whereas the reporter, you're on the field, you're in the energy, you're in the thick of things. It's fun. I mean, that energy, that's contagious. You you literally are right there. Do you remember, like, your first taste of that? Like, what that, you were, like, were you hooked from the get-go? Um, I would say my first taste of it was with the campus news station covering those Auburn games. But the first, like, throw you into the deep end live television mm-hmm. moment was with the Portland Trailblazers. And it was, I had never been on live TV. All the stuff that we did for the campus news station, we had taped. 
So it's a very different experience, very as you different. know. Yes. And I'll never forget when that red light goes on. You either sink or swim. <laughs> <laughs> my heart was beating through my chest. And I'm sure that it was um, Luke Babbitt was who I was covering and was interviewing on that very first uh, live hit. And I probably looked at him like, help me. <laughs> It's ex- the adrenaline, though, of live TV. Like, I, so people who don't know, I used to work in local news. So, like, we were talking before the show. There's just something about, like, when, when that light goes on. Yeah. That you're just, like, the pressure is there. Yeah. But it's, that, like, it's that, that blood. That blood gets pumping. And you're, like, okay, this is it. Yeah. This is the energy. <laughs> I've never been on a sideline, but that, that maybe is, you know, my sideline. Um, what, you know, what did you learn from working in such a fast-paced industry? That you have to be ready or else there's someone right there to take your place. And especially in the NBA, I found that the most challenging because the teams, you would be ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're similar to me being in this field and that you like to be overprepared. I mean, I bring mm-hmm. notes for everything. Yeah, you have notes here, which I feel like you put the pressure on me of like, I'm trying to like, what questions do I got to ask to answer the things that she has written down there? So I always like to be overprepared. So they would give me an athlete I would be interviewing. I would come way overprepared with tons of questions. And then two seconds before my interview, they would say, oh, by the way, he has to go warm up. You're going to be interviewing this other guy instead. It was like a rookie on the team. And you're like... Okay, Wikipedia, mm, yep, pulling stuff yep, up on your cell phone, yeah. frantically trying to get together some decent questions. Mm-hmm. It really keeps you on your toes. What is your normal preparation? I mean, you're talking about trying to prepare. Are you looking at stats? Are you looking at you know their history of where they played? What is your what is your go to of like look at sites or look at information? <laughs> um, I look at everything. I watch old games, old Smart. film, whatever I can get my hands on. I used to ask some of the athletes when I was covering football if they could lend me their playbook so I could read read some of the plays before the season started because I knew they would change, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to at least get a feel for different offenses. And I wanted to go above and beyond. I felt like I had to as a woman, especially in that industry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That. That's genius. Asking for the play, I never even thought. Was yeah. there any hesitation from people? No, because they trusted me. They knew I would never tell mm. who gave the playbook. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a lot yeah. of that industry too is is gaining trust. Yeah. Right. Talk yeah. about the important. I mean, you're you're talking with players because you're trying to always get information. Everyone's trying to one up. Everyone's yeah. trying to do the Woj bomb. And yeah. You know, how do you build that trust? To me, the trust was more important, and getting the interview was more important than releasing being that person that would release the news about them. And Mm -hmm. I think players, because in the NBA especially, your locker room's a lot smaller. There's less players. It's the same guys every day in terms of journalists that are coming into the locker room. So the players start to get a feel for who is who, what you're Mm -hmm. writing about. Are you covering the entertainment aspect of the sport? Are you covering the ins and outs of the game? They find out very fast. The players yeah. do? Yeah. And I'll never forget, there was one NBA player who would not interview with one guy because he's like, I remember this piece you wrote about me two years ago. Not with me, but he said that to another journalist. It's like, they pay attention. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah. I never wanted to be the person that was known for always having the inside scoop and releasing the story. That wasn't important to me. What was important to me was that connection with the players and kind of humanizing the players and showing Mm -hmm. that side to the fans. And especially, I mean, I don't think people realize just what relationship that is of just you're you're literally every day covering them. You're talking with them and whether you're actually reporting on them. And people, I think, 
it's crazy when you look at TV that it's it's one minute. They see one minute. Yeah. But the work that goes into that one minute or two minute is ours. Yeah. Uh, for me, especially when I did sit down interviews mm-hmm. or uh, post game interviews, you have to grab the player and pull them aside. And in order to get the best interview out of them, I found it worked best if I found some commonality with them. Okay. So. Uh, Kevin Durant, for example, my boss said to me, they're always so encouraging, too. My boss said, you're never going to get this interview. <laughs> his, his, his HR guy said that he's not doing interviews today. So I thought, okay, what's the, what commonality do I have? Thanks for that challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, game on. Okay. Yep. What do I have in common with Kevin Durant? Oh, he had business class at UT with my cousin, Thomas. So I went up to him and I said, you were in so-and-so's class, uh, Economics 101, uh, with my cousin. And I said, can I get an interview with you? He said, absolutely. Got the interview. (laughs) And he was comfortable during it. Wow. So that was kind of my approach to those interviews was, how can I make this person Mm -hmm. as comfortable as possible Mm -hmm. so that they trust me and they give the best interview possible. You break down the walls. Yeah. And I th- that's that's even so important and you look at like life. And you look yeah. at talking about sports but just life general conversations. People people always think, "Oh, I have nothing in common. I have nothing in common with that." But what would I talk to that person about? Um, <laughs> how about this topic? This How about my cousin who is in the same class with the UT? Yeah. You like, get creative. <laughs> you get creative. And like the more you actually talk with people, you realize there's so much in common. We're more alike than we are different. We are so much more alike. And it's I, I always go with the like states because I've, I've lived in six different places. I've traveled all 50 states. And it's like, oh, where are you from? And they'll be like, oh, I'm from this place. And I was like, actually this place or this small city outside? And they're like, how did you know this? And I was like, what do you think of the restaurant here? And that'll like blow oh. their minds. That was kind of how another reason why I got into sports was because I feel like sports and food are the two things in life that bond mm. everyone together. Who doesn't love sports yeah. and food? Together and separately. Yeah. <laughs> what cities did you live in, by the way? So I grew up in Wisconsin, okay. went to college in Ohio, uh, worked in Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, Charleston, West Virginia, the capital, and then Washington, D.C., uh, and then I've had family in Minnesota, Virginia, Florida, Georgia, Colorado. Just took a lot of trips. I've been to like all 50 states, seven or eight countries. Wow. Um, and so there's always, you can always relate to people that way. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, what do you, and I keep up with local news all the time. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, what what went on? Oh, that's where this happened. That's where this happened. Oh, were you involved in this? Or I'll even do sports. Uh, like someone's from, you know, New York, and I was like, oh, are you a Knicks fan? Or, you, you know, you play that card a little <laughs> yeah. bit. And, yeah, you're right. It just breaks down walls. Yeah. It's just something simple. How often do you hear from people, oh, you must have, just have the best job. The sports, you're, it must be so easy. You're just covering sports. You're just talking sports all the time. I hear it a lot from guys. Mm. They're like, you have my dream job. Can we trade jobs? I'm like, well, what is your job? And they'll come up with something random. I'm like, okay, we could change for a day, but I really love my job. Do you, do you think to an extent, like, you, you again, you're looking at the facade. Like, you think people are like, you see the facade. You, you see the 5%, not the 95%. I mean, maybe I'm too optimistic, but... It's not a bad thing. I, I feel like at the end of the day, you know you're in the right job when... All the trials are worth it, mm-hmm. and you have a positive outlook on it. So for me, I still look at this career and the jobs in this industry with a rose-colored filter mm. over them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know a lot of other females in the industry are very cynical now mm-hmm. and very jaded. So 
I, I, I don't know. I, I would say that, yeah, I do have a great job. <laughs> choose, choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. So what has helped you be so optimistic? I think I love a challenge. And I've heard no so many times in my career that I almost look forward to the no's. Mm. It's like, mm. it's more so like, watch me. <laughs> You can't get that interview with Kevin Durant. Well, <laughs> watch just, me. <laughs> just watch. I want to talk about the struggles because you've been very open and we're appreciative for your openness because I think a lot of people, especially in today's society, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're showing the best parts of life and it's like, oh, look at how amazing the trips that I'm taking, my job, my life, here's what I'm eating today. We don't care. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the struggles. You've been very open. What was your first taste of struggle? Um, I would say it started out pretty early when I was an intern for ESPN. Uh, I knew going in that there were going to be stereotypes because this was 11 years ago when there were even fewer women. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, you kind of see more networks taking chances on women. Mm -hmm. But back then, I mean, you could count them on one hand. Mm -hmm. So for me, I knew I was going to struggle. I was going to struggle with stereotypes of being a blonde female in the industry and being told that I only got my job because I'm a young female. And I kind of tried to put together a game plan of how I could combat those sort of stereotypes. And for me, it was trying to build credibility through other platforms like writing and radio, because I looked at I had men and women I looked up to in this industry and I looked at their career paths and I thought, okay, the men that are doing what I want to do in this industry, they either played the sport Mm -hmm. or they were a writer and covered it. Mm -hmm. So I have to do one of the two and clearly I'm not going to be playing the game. I'm not (laughs) as tall as you. (laughs) Uh, So I planned on going the writing route and trying to, kind of refute those stereotypes that way. Uh, but I would say the very first time I heard, I would say something negative was during my internship at ESPN. Day one, they told us, any of you guys think you're going to go from intern to talent, just take that idea and erase that out of your mind because that it will never happen. That's a pipe dream. Yeah. Wow. And I thought, okay, now I've got to get my sleeping bag, spend the night here. My hours already were from uh, 4 p.m. until 3 a.m. So that was the only time in my life where I drank coffee. (laughs) And it really messed me up. Um, But, yeah, so I already had those hours. But then on top of that, I would go home, get two hours of sleep, and then I would show up in the mornings so that I could set up meetings while I had the ESPN email address Mm, and I wanted to meet with as many people as I could during my internship. I didn't want to be one of those people when the internship ended, I didn't have a foot in the door somehow. And luckily when my internship did end, my badge was never deactivated like everyone else's. So I continued to go onto campus. Could you get, could I get trouble for this? I don't think so. (laughs) No. Um, I, I continued to go on campus. I somehow figured out how to reinstall my email address. (laughs) And I just kept setting up meetings, setting up meetings. I didn't care if I had to stay in as a feature producer, anything, to stay on campus and to 
build my way up. Was that mindset always in you of like do whatever it takes and like you're never too good for a job. You're never too good to like be yeah. a fe- be a producer. Be I'll sweep the floors yeah. if I'm here. It still blows my mind that after building a resume for 11 years, people will say to me when I come in for auditions, "Why are you here? Like we're looking for somebody that will take uh, minimum wage for this job and <sighs> Like, why Why are you here? We're not willing to pay you a lot. And I said, well, I don't need a lot. Like, yeah. I just want the experience. I really mm-hmm. enjoy the topic that this show's about. And I just mm-hmm. I just want to continue to build my resume. And yeah. there, people are perplexed by that. When did I ever come in and immediately say, I need this much money. Yeah. Here are my demands. Yeah. No, they have that assumption. Yep. Did you feel more pressure? Like you said, there was, you know, one of the few women, you know, given that opportunity right off the bat. Did you feel more pressure because of that? Because that you were like, I I might mess this up for other women or like, I, I know I'm not going to get as many opportunities. Um, I definitely felt more pressure. This was the first when I, so I went from intern to hosting.com shows for mm-hmm. ESPN and it almost felt like live TV because you had one take to do it in, and if you didn't get it, then they were going to somehow edit or yep. they'd replace you. Mm. That was the other thing. There were three of us. It was Molly Karam, Ginny Dell, and myself, and they would rotate through us for a streak for the cash, which was the show that ESPN.com put on. Yeah. And so you knew that if you didn't nail it, there was somebody that could easily step in and yeah. and replace you. So there was that pressure. But I would say, I mean, the three of us got along so well, and it was nice to have them there. And they weren't like you would think. Uh, we weren't as competitive with the three of us. But we all, I'm, I'm sure the two of them can would say the same thing, that you really felt the pressure. Yeah. Oh, and you can, anyone who's worked in the industry, you know that, like you were saying, you mess up once and you know there's someone else in the wings. Yeah. You look at that and you're like, if you mess, if you're, you know, do something wrong or you, especially nowadays, you say the wrong thing and it's interpreted wrong, like, you, you can be gone the next week. Yeah. I saw an interview that Sam Ponder did mm. before she mm-hmm. took the job with NFL Countdown replacing Chris Berman. And it was so interesting because... Her battle mentally was between, okay, do I ask, I know how much Chris Berman was paid, do I ask for the same amount since I'll be doing the same job, or do I take less, and if I do ask for that amount, then there's tremendous pressure to perform at the level of that Chris mm-hmm. Berman did, or else mm-hmm. I'm gone. And I found that so interesting that she was so candid and open about her struggle with asking for a fair amount mm-hmm. of money. Do you have conversations with other uh, females in the industry about, like, su- whether it's a support system or just trying to hear what their struggles and their stories have been and, you know, encouraging being like, oh, I think you should do this, I think you should do that? Is that is there conversations going on behind the scenes a lot of times? Yeah, there are. There are a lot of that. Um, I would say especially when I came out, was it a year or two ago with my story about the Mm -hmm. NFL Network and that interview, it was as if someone was just waiting for a platform to talk about their experiences and their struggles. So as soon as I released that, my DMs were just flooded with women wanting to tell anyone about their stories. They didn't want to come out and talk publicly Mm -hmm. about it because they would lose their job. But they just needed an outlet to be like, okay, I get it. That's what I'm going through, Mm -hmm. too. I'm glad you understand. Mm -hmm. So for me, I felt even more... Like I, I, it solidified my decision to come out and talk about it and to be so open about it because it was helping so many other women. Mm-hmm. And 
if that's what it took for other women to come out with their experiences, then it was well worth it. Absolutely. And I, first, I want to commend you on your bravery for that. Because I, I, that is incredibly difficult. And especially, as we've just mentioned the last several minutes, there's always someone waiting in the wings. There's always so much pressure. You know that yeah. the, you, you are – a good and a bad thing, you're a dime a dozen. It, it, when you when people who people who can be on camera, especially nowadays, where they'll literally hire someone who doesn't have experience but it's a large social following, yeah, there is pressure of like yeah. you know there's someone else you have to do it better, and, and sometimes you're maybe like five percentage points better, but if you're looking at cost, they'll want to yep. save money. They'll be yep. like, okay, we'll pay this other person half as much. We know they're not as good, <laughs> but we'll be saving money. And for people who don't know. Um, about your bravery, your last interview you said with NFL Network, mm-hmm. uh, the head of talent said, quote, if we hire you, do you plan on getting knocked up immediately like the rest of them? Um, which blows my mind. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly sad and disheartening. Um, what went into your decision to actually speak up? Because that is, was such a hard time. How long were you thinking about that? What went into that? I mean, this was something that went through my mind for a very long time. And I think the final straw was hearing some of the stories from the other women in the industry and hearing how they wanted that platform, but no one would speak up. And I I, I questioned myself. I said, why are we not speaking up? Mm-hmm. And the I started watching Wonder Woman, and I thought there are so many women in this industry that are just now getting into it. Because I would always get DMs like, hey, I think I'm changing careers, or I'm going to get started in this industry. Do you have any advice for me? And it's like, how in 180 characters Mm. do you tell someone, okay, well, this is my life experience. This is how the industry is. And you don't want to be negative either. You want yeah, to be positive and like, you don't you're going to do this. <laughs> you're going to have to put up with this crap. But. Yeah. So my final decision to speak out about that was because I wanted to help other women that were, especially the ones that were just getting into the industry, kind of understand the insidious nature mm-hmm. of this boys club and to realize that this is not okay. Because for so many years, myself and other female broadcasters just kind of brushed it off and thought, you know what? We are choosing to be a part of a boys club that this is okay. And one night I watched Wonder Woman and I thought, you know what? This is not okay. So I started Mm. writing my post and I posted it and (laughs) didn't know if I was ever going to work again in the industry because that's a risk you take. Absolutely. But I thought, you know what? If I help at least one other woman, then this is well worth it. When you hit post, was it a relief? Was it fear? A Um, mix of emotions? I felt empowered, to be honest. Love that. And I didn't, I don't think anybody knows Mm -hmm. the response you're going to get when you put something out there on social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could get one like and, Mm -hmm. or one DM from a woman saying, thank you, I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. Or it could go viral. You have Mm -hmm. no clue. And you said the response was incredible. It was, it was crazy. (laughs) I mean, dozens of messages, hundreds, hundreds. hundreds. Wow. (laughs) Of women wanting to tell their story to someone. And then I felt the sense of responsibility. Okay, I need to read these stories and give more than 180 characters worth of advice. Yes. And here I wanted that I wanted that challenge. I wanted that responsibility of being able to help other people. And here it is. This mm-hmm. is what you asked for by putting that out there. It's crazy, too, of like this. It's sad, but it's probably true. Your story was probably not even the worst that you heard. Oh, definitely not. 
What I mean, are you able to? I want to be able to. I want. We're all about reality and just being yeah. open. I mean, I'm not. I just need to give names or anything, but like, I want people to know the struggles. There was one woman that wrote me that she was in an interesting predicament where she had to ride in a car from uh, the studio to the location with her boss, and they were in the back seat, and he put her hand on his hand on her leg and started like moving it up her skirt. Oh my goodness. And she told him, you know, no, I, I don't feel comfortable with this. And because she spoke up the promotion that she was promised at the end of the year, she never got. Wow. And to me, that was, that's, uh, it's, it's sad. And it's the, it's the sad reality. And I'm thankful again, like we were saying, you know, that was 11 years ago when you started nowadays, you turn on TV and you see uh, women calling games, you see women on the sidelines, you see women in leadership positions, which thank goodness. Is that ever a thing, you know, that it's, you know, females covering male players? Is there ever, uh, uh, inappropriateness there? I mean, do players, are players trying to do some of that stuff too? I feel like when at the beginning of my career, I don't know if it was just because I was younger, greener, and they didn't know me then. So that's the first question I get from a lot of people. Do you get hit on mm-hmm. by the players? And back then when I first started out, they were like, oh, who's the the fr- the new girl in the locker room? So yeah, it happened a lot more so then, but now you cultivate those relationships and that trust mm-hmm. and the men in the locker room, they know that you're there to do a job just as they're there to do a job. Mm-hmm. And it becomes kind of a mutually beneficial relationship or friendship between these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's such a big thing is because they they realize that, that they need you just as much yeah. as you need them. Well, it, they don't want you bashing them in the in your article yeah. that week or Yeah, and in yeah. in twenty nineteen with the you know, public opinion is, you know, more important than your criminal record. Yeah. Like <laughs> it matters what people say. And so yeah. they know that they they have to be proper. They have to be respectful. They have to be you know, honest and real. Yeah, everyone has a platform now. When people ask me, uh, when I get DMs asking, hey, I'm starting out in this industry, what do you recommend for me? I say, you have a platform. Everybody does at this in this day mm-hmm. and age. Take advantage of it. Build your own content. Put it out there. Some The right person could see it. I mean, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. all the network executives are on there. You never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone, everyone has a camera. Yeah. Everyone has a mic. Everyone yeah. has a Twitter and an Instagram, and you can... You can create your own content. Yeah. What was the next several months after you posted that? What is it even up to now? What, what has that been like? Have you seen fallout? Have you seen, you know, good things come because of that post? Um, well, immediately after, I got phone calls from every single outlet, from CNN wanting to do a sit down. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? This isn't about me. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to expand on just that little post. You can only fit so much in Instagram. And I wanted to make sure that I hammered home the point mm-hmm. of why I even did it to begin with. So I chose to go with Newsweek, and they let me do an op ed where I got to really go in depth in the topic and that was it I didn't do any other interviews I didn't want it to be about me I wanted it to be about the incident and that experience in the industry not about a face and I also didn't I never came out with the guy's name either because he had been removed mm-hmm. from his position and it, again I don't want to give him credit it wasn't it wasn't just a a, a it wasn't meant to be like a, a news headline so and so says this about so and so it yeah. was meant to be 
to shine light on the insidious nature of the, this boys club. How do you view your job differently now? Do you feel like there's that you're able to do your job better because now it is it's out there and now it's just about sports. Now people know and all across the board that women there you treat them with respect, you treat them properly. Do you feel like the industry has changed in the last you know, year and a half since you posted that and it made your job easier? Well, I'm I'm not going to take all the credit for that. I feel like <laughs> no, I, no, I feel I, like. I, I feel like the, there's a lot of women that were part of the Me Too movement in every industry, and I mm-hmm. feel like just uh, okay. Let me let me preface this with, the, with by saying this because I have a lot of a really. I'm not one of those women that uh, hates men. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a, no, a strong no. feminist or a man hater because that's <laughs> the polar opposite. I love working with men. Mm-hmm. Some of my closest friends are guys and are respectful. So I don't think that every man in the industry is like this by any means. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've watched my dad over, for over decades run a company with respect and dignity, mm-hmm. and I know that that's possible. So I would say that I, I just... Wait, wait, what was the, what was the question? How have you seen that in the past year and a half? It seemed like it's it's been easier to actually do your job because you're not walking on eggshells as much. You're not like, oh, am I, is someone going to do something to me? You're able to focus more. Well, I feel like there's pros and cons to this and to the whole Me Too movement. I feel like now men are walking on eggshells, which is kind of that. putting us backwards in mm-hmm. a sense. So I feel like we haven't really come to the perfect conclusion for this mm-hmm. yet. The pendulum is still going back and yeah. forth a little bit and not in the middle where it needs to be. Yeah, and the whole point is just if we're just respectful of one another, no matter your sex, um, I, I think that that's, I mean, women and men are so different. Mm-hmm. And I think that we complement each other so well. And I think if you look at some of the most successful companies, the most successful networks, there are places where there's just respect for everyone, no matter your sex. And I, I feel like the Me Too movement will have succeeded when it's not about hiring someone. So now there's this movement where um, women in film are asking for a certain number of female directors or a certain number. Why can't it just be the person that's best for the job? Mm-hmm. Why does it? Ha- why can't it be blind? Yeah. You know, Lady Justice has her hand over her eyes. Yeah. Um, that's that's very true, and it's amazing. It's like it's so relatable just to life too. Of just like, can we just not just respect each other? Yeah. Like you look around the world, and it's not just in sports. It's not just in in acting or entertainment or music. It's just in America. Yeah. That's just like, can is there no respect? Have we no, just lost? <laughs> have we just lost the ability to just find? And it gets back to what we were talking about, just finding common ground. Yeah. Because if you find common ground with them, you have so much more respect for them. Because yeah. you know what they went through, which again is why we do this show. Because people who look at it and be like, "Oh, she covers sports. It's just all fantastic. She gets to ham it up with the players. Gets to go to every game. This is the best. She probably gets paid a boatload of money." And you're like, "No, talk. Hear the stories. Hear what they what they've gone through. Hear the the pros. Hear the cons. And it, it's so simple. It is, but." Mm. Obviously, it's not, difficult not for as some simple people. Yeah. as it needs to be. I want to play a uh, word association. Okay. Um, what do you think of when you hear the word "quit"? Never. I never. I, I feel like I would never quit. <laughs> Why? A challenge. I think of a challenge. Love that. Do I get one word for the, these? Whatever. Or, uh, whatever. Just words. thoughts come to your mind 
Uh, failure. Again, never. <laughs> we have the same word for the whole thing. <laughs> uh, success. Subjective. Drive. Necessary. Perseverance. A must. Love that. Man, that's that's it. I feel like that's that is such the attitude that you have of just like there is no quit. There is no failure is not an option. And you you have to have that drive, that perseverance. What drives you moving forward? I mean, in your everyday life now, it's just like I wanna I wanna achieve this, I wanna achieve this. What drives you? I would say first and foremost helping other people because mm-hmm. you get to a place in your career in any industry where you've been doing it for long enough that you've accumulated knowledge and stories and you can help other people mm-hmm. and I don't understand people who don't mm-hmm. and so that has kind of been my priority has been trying to help other people that are whether they're just getting into this industry um, whether they just need somebody to talk to, uh, helping people has always been my number one priority. And now I would say my second priority would be trying to reinvent myself in a sense hmm. and find outlets that or topics that are not being utilized as much by women. Like what? So I would say, so I'm doing a show with entrepreneur called elevator pitch mm-hmm. and we're about to film the fourth season. And I got into that because all the judges had some sort of sports connection during the second season where there were Rashad Jennings from the giants, Danica Patrick was involved. And then I thought, okay, you know what? I really, love this sports business side Mm -hmm. and this entrepreneurial uh, aspect of it all. And I want to kind of get more into this field as well, but still keep that sports component. So that was something as well as now I've been, we just filmed a pilot for an esports show. That's huge. That's which I I think is going to be the future of the sports industry. Definitely. And to me, it was, okay, there's not really a female yet covering this Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Why can't I be that person? Again, the whole challenge thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of been my mentality going forward is Mm -hmm. find those areas where trailblazers have not paved a way yet. Love that. And I know with esports and uh, it's just it is going to take off. Yeah, and it's. The, it, I think even at this All Star game, they were showing players playing against other players, and they actually put it on TV, and it just, yeah, yeah that's going to be huge. That's <laughs> that's awesome. Um, this goes along with your not quitting, and I think this is such a huge part of your life. Um, Mark ten twenty seven, and I know you're a very uh, spiritual person. Yeah. Mark ten twenty seven with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. How much does your faith play a role? in your life, in your work? I feel like my entire career, if you kind of look at it, I I know I didn't tell this story about how I got my internship with ESPN. I was on the sidelines working for the campus news station at Auburn, and I was next to the executive producer for Game Day, and I just joked with him, do you guys happen to have an internship or a job available And I had 24 hours until my internship was due. My parents were freaking out. I didn't have an internship. I had gotten rejected by Fox Sports, and I didn't have anything. And my parents were like, you have to figure something out. And I thought, you know what? God has got this. And 
sure enough, the ESPN producer asked me if I had a pin. I didn't. Ever since then, I always, well, I don't have one today. Uh oh. For the most part, I always carry a pin. And I ran to the locker room, crossed the field mid game, ran to the locker room, got a pin, ran back, and then had to take the crazy sports quiz and then got an internship. But if, like, from that to the badge not being deactivated to being Mm -hmm. able to continue to come on campus to being able to reinstall my email for ESPN. (laughs) Like there's so many crazy coincidences that I don't feel like, Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe once you're like, okay, one thing. Yeah, that could be a coincidence. Mm -hmm. But when you have so many different things kind of line up, it has to be a God thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Tim Tebow has the quote that it's like, I, I'm grateful that someone has a plan that's bigger than mine. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How many times do we make plans and then Oof. they just fall right through? The the station that I work for in West Virginia, my job was to get a, a job. My plan was to get a job at another news organization to be able to get a bigger one, to be able to get a bigger one, rise up the markets. I could not find a job. I was depressed for a year. Wow. Uh, and my contract ended the same week that a room opened up in a house here in Los Angeles. And I drove all the way across the country. And now I'm in a totally different life. I feel like if we're open and we understand that someone else is in control, mm-hmm. like God's in control, that that's when he can use you the most. Yeah, absolutely. Final question that I ask people, uh, in 50, 60, 70 years, when someone looks back on your life and they say, Lindsay McCormick, she was blank. She was blank. What do you want people to say about your life? I want them to say she was helpful to me. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about how we influence other people. And that's kind of what my dad instilled in me at a very young age. Love that. That's it. That is our show for today. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you. I greatly appreciate you coming in. I greatly appreciate your honesty. (laughs) And I want to, again, commend you on your courage for being uh, open to speaking up against things that, you know, you faced and to be able to help write some of the wrongs. Uh, and that is huge. That is changing an industry, you and several other very strong, courageous women. So thank you very much for doing that. I hope you guys learned something on this episode. Again, failure, what is it? Failure, not an option. Not an option. Quitting? Also not an option. Not an option. <laughs> guys, go and follow Lindsay after the show on her social media at, uh, what I have it at the top, at Lindsay McCormick Sports on Instagram, on Twitter, at Lindsay M underscore sports, and certainly follow the Popcorn Talk at the Popcorn Talk on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to follow me after the show, try to throw in some inspirational nuggets every now and then at the Only MC. We will be back next week for episode 52. We have a very special guest coming in. You can also find the show wherever you find your podcast. We're not only live here on YouTube and in the chat, and you can comment and subscribe, but also wherever you find your podcast. And it's, a, it's as simple as that. Go out, try to be a better person, learn something about a stranger. I guarantee you have more in common than you think. We will see you next week. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.